After 25 years in the fashion industry, I've realized that fashion is not really about the clothes, it's about the people. I'm Laura Van Root Poole, and this is What We Wore. Stephen Campbell creates custom artwork for clients around the world. He's the cover artist of our second annual Dream Book. This episode gives a window into Stephen's unique ability to help others step into their creativity while pursuing his own. I'm so excited to have you here in the studio, in person. Welcome to What We Wore. Thank you, thank you. (laughs) This is really terrific. I had no idea you were actually here in Charlotte. I had no idea. We've been working with you on our dream book, and I didn't know we were were talking to you from Charlotte. We should have been doing it. I guess maybe you were doing it in person with Scott. No, it's just phone call. Really? And actually, like 100% of my work is done through email. I mean, back in the 90s, you had to, even if it was just a little spot for a magazine, you had to go in and meet the editor. And they're talking about this two-by-two spot. And you're like, seriously, am I coming in at really? <laughs> in the morning just to talk about this? But that was the, <laughs> like, so that was the rule. Like, that was this whole yeah. – but it was quite nice to be able to, like, you know, have, form that relationship with someone. So, Well, I want to hear about your whole trajectory. Where are you from? I uh, grew up in Dallas. Oh, wow. And uh, – Shopping a, town. Big shopping town. <laughs> Uh, I have a mom, a uh, second grade teacher, and she took Aww. a pause when I was uh, when I was growing up and then got back into it eventually. My father had an oil exploration business. So when the price of oil barrels and, and gas went up, that was good for us. <laughs> and I have a brother who is a Presbyterian minister. Uh, he's 10 years younger. And he really wanted to be just – his dream was to be the third brother in Oasis – so I guess now he's kind of on stage, so it's kind of the same thing. But so. also, those guys are really, like, they fight a lot. I think they hate each other. Do they still speak? I don't know. I mean, they have uh, the most dramatic have, relationship. We'd have, to, we'd have to call a friend and ask him. So <laughs> well, I, well, I think they, they probably could have used a Presbyterian minister as the third brother. <laughs> so tell me how Texas, how did that influence you? When I think of Texas, I just think of being on my stomach with my elbows on the floor, you know, hands on my chin, watching television in first grade. And I was always watching like, you know, Sesame Street or Family Electric Af- Company. Electric Company, Family Affair. And my dream was plotting how do I get out of Texas? Because everything was in New York. Sesame Street's in yeah, New York. Yeah, it was. Family Affairs in New York. I just, all in all, all I wanted was that walnut double door with the single doorknob in the middle. Yeah. And in first grade, I was like, that's what I want. That was so funny. Had you gone to New York as a little no, person? No, of course not. But I, <laughs> but I knew everything. That's where everything was going to be happening. And uh, Yeah. Green Acres was really influential to me in that way as well. I don't even think they were ever even in New York. It was just the, the first. the opening. Just the opening. And, and I was like, it's New all that, like, York fa- is where I want to be. green patio up in the sky. Yeah. <laughs> it was so fabulous, wasn't yeah. it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Tell me about your parents and and how, how did they influence your your upbringing? So was, did they encourage your 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 flight? <laughs> absolutely. So you know, for most of my life, most of my childhood I was kind of an only child. So I was really that age group where my parents went to to go play bridge. I brought art materials and I was able to be self contained and self you know entertain myself and be busy. I think just the one thing I've learned from my family is like anything can be made from your hands. You can make any, you can buy it, of course, but you can, you can make it. There's a creative way to mm. figure it out. And I was trying to think with my father, cause my father wasn't, who so, wasn't really into art, but he was like, I'll support you, whatever you want to do. But I was, I had this flashback this morning about being in first grade and Indian guides, which I'm sure it's not yeah, called yeah. that anymore. It's, well, and it was Indian princesses for me. There you go. <laughs> 
And again, it was that like handcraft making these Tandy, you know, objects. Yeah. And uh, there was a connection with my father. That was pretty great. And then my mom is super creative. She's mm-hmm. one of those people that like makes the felted pineapple turkey, <laughs> quilting, always making something, making biscuits at the holidays out of just no, no ingredients. Yeah. And then she does a lot of tatting, which is this micro lace. Do you know what tatting is? I think so. Tell me. It's it's just this like microscopic knotting that I don't even, I'm not able to see what she's doing, but blip, blop, bloop, and she's made this big lacy. And what's the fabric? It's just a cotton string on oh. a shuttle. And I know, I have no, <laughs> I'm always like, wait, I, what are you doing? I'm going to need to see pictures of that. I think I know what it is. So she would make these like, so she's made a set of snowflakes from my Christmas tree, which is just super gorgeous. And they're just, it's just these little knots that all of a sudden becomes something. And does she know what she's Of course, it's becoming? Yeah, yeah. Did she go back to school after you all grew up? So when my after my brother started school, she went back into teaching. So second um, grade, second grade. Oh. Who was the most influential person in your artistic life growing up? So hands down, it's my grandmother. Mm-hmm. I had the most magical summers. She lived in the smallest town of Arkansas, <laughs> in this beautiful stone house on the lake, lots of nature, and it was just you could go explore in the woods, and there was a creek, so you could build a dam, and and our house had like a I think it was called a dogway or a breezeway uh-huh. in between that would help the air circulation. Yeah. And even though it was the summer, the concrete would be so nice and cool. And she had a candle business and she had a studio in the garage. And so after her husband died, that's what she started to do, I guess, you know, to fill her time. And, and um, I mean, like in the 80s? No, this would have been 70s. Jeez. I, I still have one of her candles today. It's it's a cheese wheel with a wedge that comes out, <laughs> and it's got these ceramic mice, and no. I've kind of upgraded it into like a cluched marble thing, and it's the chicest thing ever. Oh, my gosh. So she would work all year round in her garage, and there's lots of like – it seems very dangerous to me. There's like hot <laughs> plates and – liquid wax and pouring and (laughs) I just it but I anyway so she would do this all year round I would come visit and then we'd pile it all up in the back of her and every year it was a new Chrysler New Yorker which was like (laughs) this giant car (laughs) and we'd pack up and we would go to these wonderful places these amusement parks around and different candle at that time in the 70s amusement parks had the candle shop and you'd buy a candle wire at the amusement park, I don't know, but it was very popular. And so she would go in and take deliveries and orders of her candles. And I had the bonus of getting then to go like, go with her, see all this, go to an amusement park, be on the road, Hmm. talk about her life, talk about my life. We were just great buddies. And and I think she's just really one of the people I just learned that you could, you you could really make anything with your hands. Tell me more about your creativity. Were you interested in art in school from early on? I was always the kid that could do art. I would get pulled out of class to like, we had these things called hello, what were they called? Like um, holograms. And it was like a, I would get to like design this little note for someone special that came to the school and I'd get pulled out oh. to color it. Or, I, know, I was just the kid that could like draw a Greek column or like, <laughs> hey, Stephen, can you help me with this? So I was that, I was that kid. Yeah. Uh, and it was just, 
I just I, I just had the confidence just to just to do it and keep doing it, I think. Into high school and then when you were yep, thinking about college, yep. was it about art? Growing up with art, it's you know, it's you're you're really you're you're really good at it. But then it becomes that period of what are you gonna do with your life and your career? And yeah. it's like, oh, you can't make any money in art. So yeah. and it's just really like <laughs> it's this really stop sign of like, but wait, I thought this was wait, you know. I need a map here. What's happening? Yeah. So that struggle, you know, was was a little challenging in terms of like figuring it out. I went to school in college for like graphic design and packaging uh-huh. because I was just obsessed with like packaging for everything and noticing like how things, how the type went over the box yeah. and all that kind of stuff. What, did your family encourage you? I mean, they were they were yep, good. Absolutely, yeah. they were just like, if this is what you want to do, um, I knew. You know, in the '80s, it was it was all about getting an MBA, and I remember, like, in that kind of like awkward moment, like, <laughs> okay, I'll go with my friends and I'll go interview at Baylor University and and interview at the business school, and I misspelled business. <laughs> <laughs> and my mother said, "I don't think you really want to be here." And I was like, "No," and we laughed. That is hilarious. And I, I mean, I say that with it with complete <laughs> blush and embarrassment, but I think it's really important to yeah. to there's a point in when you're younger that you kind of just well, I'm supposed to be doing this yeah. and I have to do this because these are the people that are important in my life who are telling me yeah. this. But then, you know, when you're older, you're like, nah, I like green better. And I think growing up, there just wasn't the the exposure that I saw on TV or in media <laughs> that I knew, well, someone's doing this and how do I, I just have to get there right. to be able to do it. Because, you know, my, my parents were very sweet. They'd take me to a community college for a drawing class and I'm with all these like, right. you know, 20 year olds. And it was just, I mean, it was, so they really did the best they could to kind of yeah. help me along. And uh, there really is no red map to be an artist. You know I mean? I think that it probably is incredibly curvy because you, especially, I mean, I think you, you started in something different than what you do now. Correct. Correct. Tell me what you did next. You so, studied graphic design. Yep. So, and, uh, completely just flunked out like <laughs> cartoon kick on the butt skid on the ground. I couldn't mix acrylic paints. Acrylic sucks though. I'm I would, <laughs> I would make big, big meringue bowl, meringue. <laughs> bowls of like the wrong color and I would keep adding and I keep thinking like oh my gosh I bothered it's like $17 a tube yeah, right it's just I like know. I remember it's the art like, store was so expensive it was so much fun to go pay you know to go shopping it was like luckily my parents were able to you yeah. know, help out with that but it was just so expensive I just kept thinking like Oh my gosh! There's twelve dollars. Hopefully, it wasn't, and it's only nine o'clock in the morning. It's like hopefully it wasn't cobalt. So I just kept making. I just could. I just you know. I just couldn't mix acrylic um, color. But now with the, with the computer, I can see color in my brain. Yeah. I just didn't know how to mix it. It was more the the math of it. You didn't understand, maybe. Absolutely. Yeah. And of course, there's no kind of like here's how you do it. It's yeah. just yeah, and, no. and everyone's like everyone around me is like you know like going do grayscales and I'm like what's happening you know what's happening yeah and then also the, another class that I got a, a proud FN was uh <laughs> was lettering and it was uh this antiquity like this, this old-fashioned huh. metal pen with a jug of black india ink whoa and you kind of had to balance it and it was this and it was on a rule and we had to do like the Saks Fifth Avenue type Wow. And that's all about precision. That's insane. And precision. And for me, I like my line just to be a little like wiggly, wonky, mm, yeah. 
you know, not Yours. so pr- my line. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I just, I just wasn't fitting in and everyone else is like, <laughs> and so I was just like, this just isn't for me. So I, I jumped over to, I uh, finished with art history and child psychology oh. and, uh, loved it. And so everything, and, 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 uh, everything kind of just pulled together in the end. And my goal in college was then to go to grad school to become an art therapist. Oh, wow. Which I, and how did you know about that? And how did you even know what that was? By a chance of a friend who was going to be going, but then she got married and her life changed and uh-huh. she didn't go. So I went, I went to the college in Rochelle, uh, went to a grad school program for art therapy and, uh, did an internship at Bellevue hospital. So for me, I, was working in um, Bellevue Hospital with, in pediatrics with medically ill children. Jeez. And, uh, and Talk about like jumping and you, in. And you think of just like, <laughs> you know, the psychiatry services at Bellevue, but Bellevue is also a medical hospital where families are bringing their child for surgery, trauma, chronic yeah. illness, all that stuff, right? Wow. So for me, I just saw this like, oh, this is a great way to get a patient to talk about what's going on for them. So... Part of my job was this kind of validation and 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 hear and really listening and hearing and have a conversation about a child's changes to their body, and art can be a way to express that. And then also, I had this terrific ability to have just art groups in the afternoon, and it was you know a kid becoming like, I want to make a mermaid dragon, <laughs> and I was like, let's figure it out. And so it was just that was just one hundred percent. In my lane, I knew how to like, we can do this. How incredible. So. And did you know, I mean, you loved it. I mean, you were in your element and this is what you wanted to do. Was there, were you, you I just, I just felt like this, you know, I I felt really, I felt really good. I felt like this is, this is everything coming together. And how long did you do that? Actually, just until we moved here to Charlotte. Oh, wow. So I've been in in different places. And so were you making art on your own as well? Like when did you start to dabble back in that? I just always was making art, you know, at home, and then and then. And, and what what was your medium? Um, probably just sharpie, sketchbook, drawing people around New York, my neighborhood. Huh. Um, and then at the hospital, I had an opportunity to apply for a grant for. I had this crazy idea to get Adobe Illustrator and a Mac computer, and it was brand new. Yeah. And I got the grant. God, do you remember how crazy that was when it first came out? Yeah. Oh. Well, it's even crazy when you don't know how to use it. Right, exactly. <laughs> so I was like, oh, my God, I got the grant. So now I have to figure out in 30 days how to use it <laughs> before I have to just tell the donor, like, this is amazing. You won't believe what's happening. You've got to come see this. I had no I idea. Know. I didn't have any, I had no idea. So for the next 30 days, I would come home at night, walk the dog, and then I would practice drawing with the mouse. Wow. And I found out years later, Stephen, you're not supposed to draw with the mouse. You're supposed to draw with like a tablet <laughs> and this thing. But again, the mouse gave me this wiggly wonky line. That That's my language. Yeah. And so there's a bit of it's like, you know, you can't really contain it. So I work with that kind of flow, that ebb and flow of the line, which I like. So I got the grant. So I, I learned how to do that. And my husband, Howard, is like, there's kind of something happening here. I was like, I know, it's very exciting. <laughs> I like this. I was finally like able to to put color that I could see in my brain, and and you know, if I saw a woman in the East Village walking a pig, I could like <laughs> I could match that pink on the computer of the pig and the drawing. So he's like, you know, keep going, keep going. And I was like, but I want to like 
figure out how do I become an illustrator? I, you know, I kept seeing all these like wallpaper magazine, all the illustrations went back to art department illustration division. Yeah. So he's like, well, you know, let's keep, keep going. Do 30 more drawings, do 30 more drawings. So I got to a point where I put a, a portfolio together and felt really good about it. And these were Sharpie or these were on this the This is on the computer. So I'm okay. drawing with the mouse. Yeah. And I put a proper portfolio together, went down to Soho on Green Street before work, just a cold drop off. Um, elevator opens. It's just a kind of an industrial loft white space with just a desk at the end of the hall <laughs> with some young person that could care less that I was there, but I'm so excited. And so I kind of like make this drop of my portfolio and I think... I'm never going to see this again and just kind of walk backwards and get on the elevator and <laughs> don't turn. go back to work. Well, I got back to work and Stephanie Pesikoff calls me and she's like, who are you? Get back here. <laughs> and I mean, it's just one of those like great New York stories. Yeah. That And I'm, and I'm really, I really, I'm just so appreciative that it just doesn't happen every day because everyone and their mother is an illustrator now. Right. And uh, I've been with um, Stephanie this whole time. And in that next week, I just started working. Okay, so just started working, and they were fashion illustrations for for magazines? Editorial, um, advertising, fashion, you know, little unknown people that then be eventually became big famous people that I got to grow with, which was exciting as a, a for clients. And, and always in this medium again. Sorry. Always, always drawing in Adobe Illustrator, which is it's. it's so wait, it's so how did you? So if you, so, did you take photographs? Like how did you? No, it's just, just so you, you 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 know what what size paper do you want? And right. then you just draw with the mouse, and right. then I can change the line thickness and color, and that's all I'm doing. I'm not doing all the bells and whistles. I'm just I'm. It's literally just drawing with like sharpies. And is that what you mouse. still do? Absolutely. Really? That's. So <laughs> I, I I tried the. The tablet and the pen, but it just didn't work for me. And uh, huh. I just, I found myself working super hard at the hospital from nine to five, come home, walk the dog. And then I was doing these amazing assignments from five o'clock to midnight. And I knew if I left either job, someone would get my slot in the stable. And I was like, I'm not leaving either one of these places. <laughs> this is just, but then it just, it, then it became just a lot. But it was like, when you're, you know, when you're younger, it's like, I can do everything. And I did. And it was fun. So tell me a little more about Howard. It sounds like Howard has really been transformative in your career. How did y'all meet? We met at a friend's fashion show. We were sitting across the runway, which is very 90s. And so we didn't know each other. We're there at the show and we had mutual friends. And we kept saying, Hey, yeah, I, I kind of like Howard. And he's like, Hey, I kind of like, and just, they were just clueless. And it just took for, I was like, finally, it was like, okay, I need to invite Howard out. And so I would messenger him things in New York back then. You could messenger like for $9, you could messenger anything on a bike messenger. <laughs> we, we met, uh, I think at Bryan Park in the movies. And then I was like, Hey, let's, you know, I'm going to go to Texas. When I get back, I'll call you. Let's go out. So when I got back, I sent him a Big gulp from 7-Eleven, <laughs> and I put a little note on the bottom of the straw inside, <laughs> and we'd messenger that up to him. So he was, at that time, he was working at El Decor, and it was always like, Howard, you've got another delivery. <laughs> <laughs> another big gulp. <laughs> yeah. It's just, you know, it's just, it's funny. I feel really lucky. I, you know, at the time, I was in New York, and it's like, I've got a great job. I was happy then. 
I had an apartment in, in Chelsea and I could walk by the Barney's window on my way to work. <laughs> and that was enough. And then I met Howard. <laughs> that was enough. And then it just, so yeah. just life just kind of like has just been, that's enough. And I love everything about it. And then something <laughs> else comes in, which is kind of great. What was your first really exciting client or project at this early stage? I got such inspiration from the the tweens, the adolescents and teenagers at Bellevue. They had yeah. such great style. And I remember just being so amazed because they were just like different from the kids I grew up with yeah. and they didn't know how to ride a bike because they're in the city. <laughs> they're not at Central Park because it's too expensive to go on the subway and go. So right. their whole world is just completely different and inspiring to me. So I had a, a campaign for Claire's, the store where oh, wow. where you get your ears pierced. As I, a, I know as, it okay, really well. There you go. <laughs> so it was the whole wrap around everything in the around the store. And it was, I think it was 44 drawings. Wow. And you had to go to a, you hadn't been to a Claire's before, I imagine. No. So did no, you go and just no hang idea. out and watch girls come in and? No, I actually just, I went to the Woolworths building and met with yeah. the people that, you know, in their, in their corporate offices and. Yeah. And then I was able to just really draw all these different types yeah. of young girls. and uh, Which you knew from which your I work. Knew. And, That's so interesting. And just, you know, and back then too, when I did a lot of work for like, um, oh, was it like Vogue Girl and all these types of like yeah. girl magazines. And I'd always say, hey, does the girl have to be white? Can she be this or yeah. that? And they'd say, hey, let me check. And they'd come back. They're like, absolutely. Can you imagine so I just, asking that now? Well, but <laughs> it was just like, it, but, it was, it, but, but it I mean, was back then, I, back then in the nineties, yeah. because I was like, you know, and and I would hear the girls say, and this is going to sound hilarious, but that was the time when um, Mariah Carey was on, t, you know, kind of like talking about like, I'm not white, I'm not black, I'm not huh. this, and so I would hear that in conversation right. with the girls that I that are in my. That sure. I'm working with. Sure. And so I knew how important that was to have to look like this, but I've also got freckles, but I'm also this, but my yeah. hair is this. You yeah. know, so it was just how it, interesting. it was really super inspiring. What was your most challenging project at that time? Everything was just everything just always worked. Like I never I had <laughs> I had one such I had one client that I just couldn't get the lips. I I think I gave five pairs of lips and it just <laughs> and I'm like Listen, after the fifth pair, you need to hire someone else because I don't know what to do. Like, and I know this is like your vibe, you know, the lips are your vibe, but it was just like. Was it, it like a lipstick company? <laughs> but it was just, one of, it was just a situation where I, I was like kind of reframed at that. I'm not, I'm not the person for you. And yeah, there's yeah. so many people to choose. Yeah. And I want you to be happy with what you're, with yeah. what you want. Right. I mean. Yeah, so. I tell that to the girls all the time at the store. I'm like, you know, we're actually not the store for every person, and that's okay. Absolutely. You know, Absolutely. But, but it's hard to – you. I think you want to please everybody at certain times in your life, I guess, or maybe when you're younger. <laughs> but it's okay that, that it doesn't work. Yeah. yeah. What was the fashion illustration community like at that time? Did you have friends that were doing it? Did you know other people doing it? I didn't and it, uh, <laughs> I mean my world was nine to five in a hospital yeah and I think for me it was just being able to step in to provide an arena for someone else to be creative and then I'd get off work walk the dog and then I could step <laughs> into my arena and be creative so it was a real it's just a real balance of being able to be creative in different ways which was refreshing in both 
yeah. you know, at home or at work. Um, I just, I didn't have anyone that was, that was doing, you know, doing you didn't this. didn't have a mentor or somebody that you could, a career you could follow. No, but my, my, I, my husband Howard is always the one. I'm always like, hey, can I talk to you about this? And we're, like, we're really good about kind of like volleying about an, volleying yeah. about an idea. And probably nice that he's sort of in he's your business, but not, right. yeah, but not in your business. I think that really helps right. too uh, for, for perspective. So tell me about 9-11. It sounds like that is where things changed a little bit in your so, career. You know, in the, in the 90s, we we all had, as an illustrator, you, have, you had to have a cell phone then because you were getting, I had, well, I couldn't use my work phone. And I had 30 minutes to decide if I wanted a job or not to accept it. <laughs> yeah. So Shanghai Tang wants you to do this. <laughs> You've got 30 minutes. And if you don't want it, it's going to go to the next person. Wow. So I was always like, first ring, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and then after, after 9-11, everything just stopped. Stopped because brands were well, worried about what would happen next. So one of my clients, Liz Lang Maternity, right, had um, a maternity fashion show that morning. Everything just kind of stopped. And it was like, go shopping. That'll help. Right. And then illustration quickly kind of became this British, I don't know what, uh, uh-huh. dirty, scratchy, staticky, dark, um, gritty, ashy, which was, as if you think it's now, it's like, oh, of course it was. Yeah. Because that's what we're like, we're, we're feeling as a world. Yeah. And I just knew that wasn't for me. And then also creatives were also using like really just bad stock illustrations. Like stock illustration huh. was becoming a thing. The bad thing about that is you don't own the copyright to it. And it could be, you know, if you if you submit stock illustration, you know, a, a cigarette company could use your work and maybe right. don't want to have that happening. Right. So anyway, so I just turned, I just turned around from it all and, and just started to do drawings on fabric and stitch. And to me, it just seemed like a natural left turn, right turn. Had um, you ever stitched anything before? Absolutely. I mean, well, not, not what I do now, right. but always just like. I could make something or we could, you know, huh. try, you know, just that whole thing of, it, it wasn't um, impossible to kind of figure it yeah, out. Yeah, it so wasn't I just, like. I just kind of self-taught myself embroidery. Interesting. Were you still doing art therapy? Not at that time. After 9-11, we, my husband and I were just like, let's just get out of the city. This is enough. Yeah. And we were also kind of tired of just doing those walks to the West Side Highway and how many times can we walk? Uh, <laughs> how many times can we walk? It's like the same, you know, just, and yeah. it's, it's, it's a, such it's a small, small town. Yeah. It's a small town, which is lovely. <laughs> yeah. But we were ready kind of, we were ready developmentally for something else. So he had gotten a job um, to, to launch Cottage Living Magazine. Oh, wow. And we moved to Birmingham kind of. And where is he from? Is is Howard from? He's from uh, New York. Okay. Oh born, wow. So that Brook- was born in Brooklyn. Oh wow. And and, and, and uh, grew up in Merrick. So this was a so, big change. Yeah. So what was that like? We we met a lot of great people. Um, great and, restaurants. And his great restaurants. His job was great. I ran into a lot of problems trying to be an art therapist. The company that he was working for was really supportive for us as a gay couple. And back then, when we weren't married. Uh, we were domestic partners, but getting insurance was no wow. problem. And that was just all, we were just so appreciative for all of that. Huh. Um, but then when I tried to get a job as an art therapist, lots of walls. Really? You know, who's your who's your mama? What does your wife do? <laughs> all that kind of stuff, which, you know, can I've happen. I've never heard of that before. Which can <laughs> happen in any part of the world. It but, happens in the South. But I think for me, I was on the top of my... I was on the top of my game and thinking like, oh, I can like totally just recreate this in Birmingham, but it didn't work. And uh, 
We eventually went back to New York, and yeah. then he got a job to be creative director for mm-hmm. Southern Living, so we came back to Birmingham. Huh. And I knew if we go back to Birmingham, I'm not doing the Art Therapy Road. Right. And just, and, but it was always doing illustration, doing all these moves. And then we moved to Milwaukee on Lake Michigan, where it's quite chilly. And is that Target? No. He uh, Taste of Home magazine. Okay, okay, sorry. And <laughs> I uh, and so we were in in Milwaukee. Uh, I was working at the Children's Hospital of Wisconsin um, as an art therapist um, in pediatrics, and also with mothers in the NICU uh-huh. uh, who have just given birth to a baby. And art was a really great oh, wow. way to reconnect mother and baby, especially yeah. if there's something like not 100 percent right. going on great for your baby. There was a lot of like. I'm kind of nervous about holding this baby. Or, yeah. So art was kind of a way to kind of work on that icky, huh. but I'm supposed to, you know, want to be holding this, yeah. this baby. So. Oh, how interesting. And then and then to Charlotte? And then to Charlotte, which I love. Oh, and how, how long have y'all been? You... So we've been here since 2018. Okay. And how did you choose Charlotte or did it choose uh, you? For a job. Okay. So Howard's working for a bank here. Okay. Uh, as a creative and we were on a, with, with a realtor looking at, at places to rent and we found one of these like high rises with the view of everything uh-huh. and we put everything in storage to live in this <laughs> high rise and that became old after a while because on a high rise you have fire drills at three in the morning <laughs> when you have a dog that's not so fun and do you have your same dog from before that you uh, walked all the time <laughs> no let's see we've had uh Bertrand, Jean-Luc, and now we have Etienne. I love all French dogs. I yeah. love it. Are they all the same? They're kind? all Wheaton Terriers. Oh, how sweet! So, oh, I love that. I, um, I would, I would easily, we would easily have seven if we could. So, tell me a little bit about working on the Dream Book and and how that went and and how that happened. Well, Scott always, you know, uh, I knew Scott. I didn't know Scott in person from New York, but we were connected on Facebook, and you have those Facebook friends. Then. It wasn't until moving to Charlotte that I was like, hey, come over for dinner. We'll watch Mademoiselle and, you know, we'll <laughs> hang out. So since then, Scott's always been thinking, like, I've got to think of a way to, like, collaborate yeah. with Stephen. And it just, over the years, he would call me, like, and it just never worked. And this finally just was an opportunity to kind of green light. Is that how you typically work, the way and Scott is our creative director of the Dream Book? And I know Scott came to you and said, we want to do three or four scenes of the stores during Christmas. And then do you, like, how does that actually work? So there's just a, there's a basic structure and I, and and I'm at the age now and experience to say, you tell me what you need. What are your requirements? What's the size? Yeah. Is there anything you have to see? And then I provide a sketch around that uh, creative brief. Yeah. And do you prefer this now embroidery or do you still do your mouse? I do both, but I, I, I just love the imperfections and perfections yeah. of, of embroidery. And I think for me, like I'm not doing all the bells and whistles that you see on Instagram. And, you know, it's just, it's really about the line drawing. Yeah. At the end of the day, it's just, it's just how do you, this drawing on fabric and then putting this fabric line over it. That is to me a very kind of a Sharpie line, which mm-hmm. I really like. Stephen, will you walk me through the process of how your embroideries take shape? I mean, how do you start? And it's 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 the same process if I was an illustrator using paint or drawing on the computer. It's basically the client comes to the agency, we have a need, here's a way to see my work to see if we're a good match. Yep. And it's funny, some clients will say, but I don't see a cat in your portfolio. Can you draw cats? <laughs> Guess what? I can draw a cat. <laughs> you saw a monkey, didn't you? <laughs> 
Um, so, so it's it's kind of that you know, or the client will just come and say, "Oh, we want we want Stephen for this." Yeah. So then there's kind of a creative brief about what they need, how many they need, what's the due date, kind of what's the usage. Are you right. using this? Uh, it's kind of like renting a car. Yeah. Do, do do you just need this for a short period of time? Do you want to buy and own it and do all kinds of things with it for eternity? So there's a creative brief, uh, usually an email. This is what we need. There might be a chat on the phone. And then I send back a Sharpie sketch, mm. just quick. Mm-hmm. And then and then from that, there might be some revisions of just what's in, oh, oh, we really want to see a shopping bag. We really want to see mm. uh, a different pose or a different angle. So the Sharpie sketch is just a way to to kind of visually communicate and notate what I think you're looking for. Mm-hmm. And then we kind of land up and then I do a proper really like an architect's plan of like, this is, the, this is, this is what you're going to see as a, as a stitch. Right. And there's no surprise with it. It's what you see is what you're <laughs> going to get. You know, I think for some illustrators, it's like, I've seen sketches. I'm like, how does the client even know what they're going to get in the end? Because this has no relationship. And there's also conversations about color. I was going to say, is the Sharpie sketch in black or how? It's in black. Okay. And then, so it's really about getting the sketch approved yeah. and then color. Right. And I found with color, you really have to be selective and really, and I feel that's that's the part I love is like how do we, how do we have color run through something? Yeah. So that all the illustrations right. make sense and communicate to each other. Mm-hmm. Or what's that one color that's my brand color that can just pop and mm-hmm. your eye goes to throughout each one. And then from there, I draw the drawing on fabric. Iron it, put on a hoop. So this isn't you. So you're never on your mouse and. So I'm sorry. So I'm. I think you, good. Good question. Yeah. I'm, I I actually do. The, I still do my old old yeah. school drawing days on the computer be, with the mouse. With the color, probably. Uh, probably at first it's just black, and then so I go from the the sharpie sketch right then to drawing on the computer to kind of tighten it up a bit. Yeah, I figured um, you'd need that. Your brain would need that. And and <laughs> that that just helps me then to. It just it just feels Figures right. It just feels right. Yeah. Drawing with the mouse. And then drawing the drawing on fabric, put it on a on a hoop. I think for our work it was 17, 11 by 11 by 17 mm-hmm. was kind of the size. The catalog's smaller. Right. Page size is smaller, but that was kind of the size I'm working at. Mm-hmm. You know, it might involve going to the fabric store, which I love going to a fabric store. If anyone, the man or woman that's cutting the fabric has a smock, mm-hmm. I think that's those I was going to say, what's your favorite fabric store? Uh, uh, Joann's. Oh, Joann's, obviously. Because yeah. that's all that's left. Yeah, I know, that's, I know. But they, you know, they have really just like, yeah. y- your fabric doesn't have to be expensive. And there's times when the fabric needs to be from a special place in London mm-hmm. that's about the quality, or it's the client's fabric, mm-hmm. or it's the client's sweater or coat that were the same kind of fabric. So there's a discussion about fabric, color, sketch approval, and then moving into drawing the drawing on fabric, mm. put it on a hoop, and then stitching. Do you use um, only one kind of thread or do of you? Of course. It's, yeah. it, has to be, it has to be DMC, which is a French um, embroidery floss. Where um, do you get still that? Made. You can get that at Michael's or Joanne's. Hmm. Um, and it's important that it's 100% cotton because if it's not – the threads kind of don't um, hold together. Mm-hmm. They just wiggle too much and it's a mess. For me, it's just basically the the stitch. And every time you see it's, it's it's up and down, up and down, mm-hmm. and then not, and then start again. Mm-hmm. 
And I find it's really important to, this is just my thing. Everyone stitches, has their own kind of stitch handwriting or signature. Mm -hmm. So I think it's important to say like, I'm just going to go right the whole time. Makes a difference than going right, than going on the lines, go right, and then going left. It kind of like makes everything more intentional and directional. and, And eventually you just kind of, it just becomes a, a natural thing that you don't really think about. I love um, that. I'm a freelance embroiderer. I love it. And I don't do the drawings. I just sort of start stitching. Uh-huh, they're uh-huh. not great, but I, but if there's something so I, I, I love it and I'm a painting major, but something about the, the color and the fabric. And, and I think it's just that it's just that like, there's a physicality of yeah. the needle and the, and the thread and then it's interesting, my needles over time will start to bend at the top. Because <laughs> you've been going right? Because I've, <laughs> because I've, been, I mean, you think like it's, and it's a metal, but I finished up and I'm like, wow, <laughs> you know, it, but there is, there's, there's a little of a slight bend and I have a favorite needle, of yeah. course. Yeah. <laughs> and I, and I think the other thing that's really important also too, is like, even if there's a fire, put that needle on your fabric before yes. you leave the table. Yes. Because you don't want to step on it. <laughs> It happens, right? I mean, so <laughs> yeah. that's just that's rule number one. I love it. Um, so work gets you know, so work gets finished, and I think with with stitching, I can change the line if it's thick or thin. I'm not really one of those types that fill in because mm-hmm. it's again, it's just about the drawing for me. That yeah. I can get other, and it's about you know, in my drawings, it's really about the details, and mm-hmm. it's like those details of like making you want to look a couple more times, yeah, and come back to it, yeah. So the piece gets finished. Trim it, iron just around it. Never iron over your embroidery or you'll flatten all your work for eternity and you'll be really disappointed. Okay. You know from experience, obviously. <laughs> and then and then my work gets scanned and sent to the client as a um, JPEG. So, I mean, so really for all of my work, it's email scan. Sometimes, you know, and then there are times when the client um, does want to have has a need for, for the, the physical thing yeah. or they're going to photograph it or it's going to be used in different ways. Hmm. But there's just something magical about being able to send something, the technology of being able to create something and then send it through this magic box yeah. that arrives. And then I can't wait to see things printed. Ours printed so beautifully. It looks it looks like it, the pages are embroidered. Oh. It is so beautiful. I just can't wait to see. And then to see what's in it and see how the whole thing looks. Yeah. And then, you know, I'm. That's just that's just a, a part of the excitement for me is to be able to see it all put together. Because it's not about just my piece. It's about this. Yeah. It's about a book, and it's about this dream. They're just spectacular. I mean, I think they're so beautiful. They're they're so much better than we could have ever imagined them. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I thank mean, they're you. they're really special. So thank you for that. And I and I think for me when I work, I really, I have this. You know, not to sound too like ooh, but I kind <laughs> of like see the end product. Like I I really know that it's going to have this color and I'm really into like having this balance and pop of, yeah. of color. And I just kind of know where I'm going before I've started. You're such a talented artist and we're so pleased to, to have collaborated with you on this or to, to, thank you. And I, you know, I think it's important too that, you know, if I didn't have any success at all, I would still be doing this. Yeah. You know, I'm up at seven thirty. draw like seven thirty to one is my zone. <laughs> so at seven thirty, I'm green light on something creative. And I, uh, I think you just, I think you just have to, you know, so many people in New York are like, I want to be a photographer. <laughs> I want to be doing fashion. Well, go do it already. Yeah, like, yeah, what are you yeah. waiting for? Yeah. You know, I would say that in my, in the nineties, I'm like, 
go do it. Yeah. Just start doing it. It's amazing that you did it while you did other like really big things, you know, at the same time. I think that is amazing. You just have to, you just have to start. I think you had problems in Texas. Yes, we did. I, and I we had really... winter girls dances and all this. <laughs> Tell me, I have to hear what you what you wore to your favorite prom, or if you if you wore or, or so, your favorite. Look. So we own, so in Texas, you own it. You own a tuxedo because sure. you go to stuff. <laughs> so many things. But then for me, we we had a great store called Caldwell on Sun on Hillcrest, right across from SMU. Okay, and it was children's shop, barber shop, women's shop, men's shop, and grooming and Neat. just it was just a one stop, and yeah. it had been there forever. And uh, and a tuck shop, uh-huh. so that's where you went for your tucks. And then um, for me, I was all about madras growing up, oh, yeah. and the, and the ones that would bleed from India. That <laughs> not this new fangled madras stuff, but like the real yeah. like you had to like wash it in salt water and all this stuff right. in the beginning. And um, so I had a cummerbund and, and bow tie sets that were madras. Yeah, that I was my that. way to like of self expression to. To kind of add some punch of color to that. And do you remember socks or? Oh, opera. We all had opera pumps from Brooks Brothers. <laughs> because why wouldn't you? <laughs> and then I went to prom with my um, childhood friend Carol across the street. Uh-huh. And we, and as a family, we would, it was one of those families we were kind of connected, making ice cream in the summer, yeah. swimming. Uh, we would do happy days plays for our parents. <laughs> And so the best part is we would go to the swimming pool and like dunk our heads and then give ourselves the, yeah, the, the, du- the, the duck. duck. Yeah, duck, I can't remember what it's called. The greaser, yes. how, you know, look <laughs> yeah. before we ran into our lines. And it was just <laughs> so anyway, it was just really great. Do you know what she wore? Absolutely. So uh, big, huge sleeves off the shoulder, <laughs> kind of a tealy blue taffeta. You know, tight waist, and then just these like big massive. folded, massive <laughs> shoulder pieces of armor. <laughs> no pun intended. And and Bob and she had a Bob haircut. Love it. Yeah. Oh, love it. Thank you, Stephen. Thank you. What we wore is produced by Capital and Balto Creative Media. The original song "Someone So Enchanting" was composed and performed by Britt Drazda. QueenCityPodcastNetwork.com. dot com.